everyone kept being like, what just happened? Why is Daniel Day-Lewis so obsessed with you? Welcome to We Can't Print This. It's a podcast that tells you the story you don't know behind the story you do know. I'm Eden Don. And my name is Fiona McCann. And we have a treat for you. So we are wrapping up our second season here. And for the last couple of episodes, we wanted to do something fun. So we are turning the mic on each other mm-hmm. to hear our behind the story stories. So today... I am going to interview the very elusive, very difficult to get to, (laughs) the absolute icon, my co-host, Fiona McCann, who is a current columnist for the Irish Times, the former editor-in-chief of Portland Monthly Magazine, and the person who will steal the show at every single karaoke party (laughs) that exists, Fiona Thank you for taking my interview request, first of all. You're so welcome. I don't know how my people got me on this show, but anyway. <laughs> what is the story behind your story you have come here today to tell us, to share with the people? Great question, Eden. Thank you. May, may I compliment your interview skills? You may. And I have been working on this list forever. And your hair, which looks lovely to, today. Thank you. Shame our listeners can't see it. Um, so... This story takes place in 2010. Okay. When I was... Which I thought was three years ago and then just literally had to figure out that it was 13 years ago. When I was impossibly young and juvenile. Right. um, I was barely out of nappies. I was a very young reporter and I had just started working at the Irish Times. And as the sort of young reporter who had the arts beat in general and the most flexible schedule because I didn't have kids or anything like that. Schedule? I can't even remember which one to say now. And you're young and fun. I'm so fun. Oh, no, I was. Anyway, um, they would send me to London. And so one day they were like, do you want to go to London and interview Daniel Day-Lewis? Yes. And I said, yeah, I think I do. Yeah, of course you do. And now my husband has some objection when I tell this story because I will say that the first thing about going into a room in which Daniel Day-Lewis exists is that he is possibly the most handsome and magnetic person I've ever been in a room with. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's it's tough because I honestly didn't fancy him that much from his work. But then I was in a room with him. But and I was as like, the kids oh. say, he's got the riz. Oh, you know that? The riz. He's got the riz. I never even heard that expression before. It's charisma. He's oh, got the riz. I see what you did there. He yeah. has it. But also Daniel Day-Lewis and your husband kind of look similar. So I feel like he is benefiting from this yeah I was like this is not this is every all all rising tides lift all boats exactly Dave come on um so I got to interview Daniel Day-Lewis now at the time I was a very young reporter and part of the reason I got sent was because our film critic who was a very revered very illustrious and longtime film critic Michael Dwyer had become ill with cancer and was undergoing treatment. And so usually for those really high profile film things, they'd send Michael, but they couldn't send Michael because of his cancer treatment. But he had such a longstanding reputation that people like Daniel Day-Lewis knew him and they were... Oh, And I think part of the reason that the Irish Times was often invited to these very high profile interview circuits were because of Michael. It was because... So was Daniel expecting Michael and then this little hotsy-totsy redhead in front of me (laughs) showed up instead? Michael, you have transformed. (laughs) He was so warm and 
kind of generous and charismatic. I've mentioned that he had the riz, um, but he was also just really kind. And he immediately was like, oh, how's Michael? I'm wondering how he's doing. And I didn't really know Michael, but I had overheard a conversation very recently in the newsroom where somebody had been asking the same question and someone else said, oh, he's on a new regime and I think it's he's doing really well on it. He changed some sort of treatment. He was on a new treatment plan. So I relayed this to Daniel. I was like, oh, he's doing great. I think he's on a, this new treatment plan. It seems to be going well. Hello. What did I know? But I'd heard somebody else say that. Yeah. And so on we went and we had our interview and Daniel bedazzled me and away I went home to write right up the interview. Right up the interview called Daniel's Bedazzlement. Daniel the Bedazzlement. 7,000 words DDL. by Fiona McCann. <laughs> How many words for icy blue eyes can I come up with? Anyway, so really f- kind of lovely interview and he was so generous and warm. Everything was great. And yes, Eden Dawn, you're here with a question. Before we move on. Do you remember in Gangs of New York when Daniel Day-Lewis taught himself how to not blink and tap his eye with a knife? Do you remember this? This was like all, he is supposed to have a glass eye in the film and he's like trying to be a real badass and like somehow kind of, you know, exert his whatever manliness and he takes the end of a knife and taps his eyeball (gasps) to like show his steadfastness. And he, I remember reading an interview that he taught himself to literally tap his eyeball with a knife and not blink so that it was believable that it was a glass eye. How committed is that? How committed is that? That's all I have to say about Daniel. Thank you for taking my question. Continue on. It was more of a comment than a question. That was more of a comment. (laughs) Oh, no. I have more of a comment than a question. No, shut it. Sit down. So the point is, anyway, that's classic Daniel Daly. He's always, he's like big into method acting and he's always all the way in on a role. And also it turns out a very lovely person. So, and this is at the height of his career as well. Like he was like peak Daniel Day-Lewis at the time. So way I came home, wrote my piece about Daniel Day-Lewis, went on with my life. And then in, a few months later, Michael, who had been battling cancer for a long time, died. Oh. And yeah, it was really, really sad. And the the sad thing was, you know, not only was this sort of legend of Irish reporting had died, but it's sad to be in a newsroom when everyone is so connected to him personally. Like everybody yeah, in the newspaper course. was devastated. And there were just a few of us who really didn't know him that well. And so when it came, his funeral was massive. I mean, there were like, it was going to be huge. Every, I mean, the whole country was kind of mourning him and the whole arts community for sure. And so... They were like, well, who are we going to send to cover this? Because everyone here is bereaved. Oh, Fiona doesn't really know him. We'll send her as the reporter to cover the funeral because they wanted to write about it. But they, they didn't want to send somebody who was going to be grieving in that moment. Yes. And so the funeral was huge. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous funeral. I remember so many beautiful words of tribute. And then there was kind of a post-funeral smaller gathering for just really close friends of also of course there was i know the here are the things i know about the irish you do a funeral by god you do it up you do it up and there's a funeral and then there's the after funeral and then there's the singing portion yes the singing portion so anyway they were like listen so i kind of came out to the funeral and i said well you know what do they were like no look just go to the next part too i think it's important that you also attend that because there might be something to come out of that will that will add to your piece and of course. I think so I was like of course so this is the tiny intimate gathering of people and me mm-hmm. 
And Daniel Day-Lewis. And, of course, your boyfriend, Daniel Day-Lewis. And Daniel Day-Lewis sees me there, and immediately he's like, oh, Fiona. Fiona, who has just been bereaved, her colleague has left her, and obviously that's why she's at this tiny gathering of intimate friends. I must approach her and give her the warmest, giantest, longest-lasting hug of all time because I am a kind and compassionate person in front of all her colleagues. So Daniel Day-Lewis sees me. He's like, Fiona. And he comes over and just... Spotlight hits upon you. Spotlight upon me. The rest of the room goes dark. (laughs) Music comes up. (laughs) Daniel, Daniel walks into the room. The crowds part through the... And then just you and he under the light. As he wraps me in his arms and presses me to his chest mm-hmm. in front of everyone you work with. Everybody I work with. Who are so befuddled. And I am there with my face pressed against Daniel Day-Lewis for many seconds, cheek to his chest, listening to his heartbeat and thinking, oh, oh dear, I, I think he thinks I'm really bereaved right now. And so he... <laughs> He oh, then, I'm sorry to laugh. It is. A, he uh, holds me and he's saying to me, Fiona, this must be so, so hard for you. Oh, no. Now it's really kind of awkward. Yes. So I am against, again, against his chest with the ear to his chest thinking, how? How do I? Where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? And is there a way to exit this with grace for all? Because... I know that my colleagues are looking at me. I know that Daniel clearly thinks, and in fairness, it's logical for him to think. I just met her a few months ago. She was giving me these updates. It is now a she's classic here. miscommunication. Now I see exactly how it happened on all sides. And Daniel, I'm very sorry if you're listening to this, but I really didn't know how to kind of extricate myself and keep us all intact. And And also the last thing you want to say at a funeral of somebody is, I'm fine. We weren't close. That feels incredibly disrespectful. I know. And not the last thing you ever want to do in your life is disengage from a Daniel Day-Lewis embrace also. So I was in a complicated spot. Even. Yeah, you were. That I was is. in a very difficult spot. It's true. And very cozy, I might add. <laughs> it was a tangled web of coziness. So all of these things are going on in my brain as I just inhale the scent of Daniel Day-Lewis a little bit longer. Just so I can work out what to do, obviously. And finally, you know, he releases me and he looks deeply into me, my eyes with those steely blue eyes of his. And there is like been such an intake of breath around me. Like all of my colleagues, I can feel their eyes upon me. And he says, Fiona, this must be so, so hard for you. And I was like, I, I think it's harder for those who were closer to him perfect answer perfect you know, answer and i really feel for those closer closer to, yeah. yeah because i did want accurate. to be like daniel sure i never even met him and i also didn't want to be like yes i am deeply affected and start crying fake tears so i thought if i went for some middle ground like it must be harder for the people who were closer to him that we'd all save face here i think that was uh, the only solution i think you gave the the exact prop nope Okay, you're shaking your head. <laughs> well, no, no, it was fine. It was, I, I feel, I feel like it was the only graceful way to get out of it. It was, of course. And he's trying to be kind. He's, he's trying, trying to be to... kind. And I don't want to embarrass him either. Of course not. And also, you know, I'm not going to like push back in an embrace from Daniel Day-Lewis. Who in their right mind would do that? 
And also, I am being watched by the entire Irish Times at that point. So I then have to somehow get myself back to the newsroom to cover this funeral. And I remember walking in and everyone being like, everybody who was there being like, what the hell? What is going on, Fiona? What is going on? Like, we send you for one job and the next thing you know. And so I had to somehow... You had to tell people I'm running away with Daniel Day-Lewis. And I'm Mrs. Day-Lewis now. I'm like, he's just really hot for me. And I had to let him down so that I could keep a professional. No, I just, to be honest with you, I didn't even know what to say to people. It was such a heightened emotional day. And I'd also just been hugged by Daniel Day-Lewis. I didn't even know me arse from my elbow at that point. I was like, things are just crazy and yeah I he the people everyone kept being like what just happened why is Daniel Day-Lewis so obsessed with you I mean the story was kind of gaining legs at that point of and like of course it was because a everyone loves office gossip yes. b people love celebrity gossip if you find a way to combine those two things together in which me and Daniel Day-Lewis are involved never was there a more powerful <laughs> recipe for something to spread like wildfire through an office yeah this story was getting legs and I wasn't about to chop them off. No, because you're also in the point of your career where you're like, yeah, everybody know my name. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. So anyway, I had to go and write the story and just let everybody sit with the mystery of why Daniel Day-Lewis was holding me for so, so very long. So long. In that moment. And it, all credit to Daniel Day-Lewis, what compassion he was showing, what is, like the fact that he even remembered me from this hotel interview, like he was just being the best possible human. And it's arguable whether I was or not, but I was doing my best. I didn't know how to get out of it without, while saving face for everybody involved. I did the best I could. Yeah, you did the best you could in it in a tricky spot. And maybe I stayed there like for a second too long. I don't know. I don't. You who are was counting? a woman. You are I, a red-blooded woman. I am a human being. <laughs> yeah. And it was Daniel Day-Lewis. And lovely chap. And I, I honestly, it has endeared me to him forever because I couldn't believe how kind he was yeah. in that moment. And also, did he do me any harm? No, no, it didn't do me any harm. Did you ever tell your coworkers and did you ever see Daniel again? That's the last time I saw Daniel because despite everything we'd been through, he did not take my number, which, you know, but I I think we both agreed that that was going to be the end. I think we both knew that that was our parting moment. You know, shooting stars, they just (laughs) burn so bright that then they have to burn out. And fade away because the world couldn't handle them any longer. Yeah, we and that was you guys. You were the shooting star of an office relationship. We just didn't. We didn't want to drag it out. And I had to maintain my professional standards. I know. So I couldn't let it go anywhere, Eden. And you he know? was probably going then deep method to be a cobbler or something and needed to focus on that. Exactly. And I just, I really felt, although Daniel was important to me, Eden, my career was also important to me. Oh, hashtag feminism. Hashtag feminism. So that was the end of our interaction. And I wrote the piece about Michael Dwyer's funeral. I did not, obviously I saved my private moments (laughs) with Daniel Day-Lewis for now, where I'm telling the whole entire world and any dinner party I've been at ever since. Right. But that's how private and you know careful I am with such experiences. Did you ever reveal it to your coworkers? What happened? Or did you literally let them just keep this air of mystery about you? I felt at the time it was so awkward to even say like what I think I might have said, you know, oh, I think he it's because we had met at the 
you know, press event a few months ago. And, you know, I think he was just being kind. I didn't want to be like, oh my gosh, he thinks I'm like BFFs with Michael because I'm at this intimate gathering. And so, and also, you know, yeah. So I didn't want, I, I guess, did I fully, fully disabuse everybody? Did I offer it? Because who could even explain it? That was one explanation. But, you know, also there was obviously the animal attraction. Right. <laughs> so that's yeah. it too, you know, and you just let them choose your own adventure. Yeah. And I did say, you know, oh, I, th- I think I told people to some extent like what had gone on, but it was like kind of an awkward story to tell in the moment anyway. And also I will say fair play Daniel Day-Lewis because I think it was the thing that made most people had a really tough day in that newsroom. Yes, and it, and was, it brought a bit of joy. It was kind of fun. To be like, everybody was like, oh my God, did you see Daniel Day-Lewis make a beeline for Fiona and grab her up in his arms? And like, it really, it, you know, I think it, I think it helped. I think myself and Daniel did something for the newsroom that day. Myself and Daniel, I like to keep saying that. Yeah, I know you do. (laughs) Here's what I have to say. If at my funeral, which will be attended by almost the entire cast of 90210, Mm -hmm with the exception of Luke Perry, rest in peace. If while they are there clearly mourning my loss and somebody I know, including you, anyone is fair game, needs to embrace a, say, Jason Priestley. And it, might and it starts some long gossip that's running around and, and people are entertained. I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled to participate in one last round of entertainment for everyone that loved me. So... I think that you are in the clear. I also think, you know what, that's such a nice way to end it because uh, from everything I heard about Michael Dwyer, he was an exceptionally warm and generous person. And I don't think he would have minded one bit. He would have thought it was hilarious, Mm -hmm. I bet. And I think he would have been entertained by this situation too. What a film star and a journalist giving everybody a little something. I think it seems so appropriate and lovely. So appropriate. Yes. Yeah, so I promise to embrace Jason Priestley at your funeral. Also. Oh, God. See, we have it on the record here. Yes. So. I vow. <laughs> I you. will take that one for the team also. I'm, I do have a record in this. So. Don't off me, though, <laughs> to try to get to Priestley. That's what I have to say. <laughs> You're looking at the glint in my eyes. <laughs> so that's it. That's my story. Uh, or one of my many stories. Do you want to interview for me for more? I have loads more. Loads more, Eden. I, th- I mean, I <laughs> hope to. I think that was a very good one for today. So I want to say thank you to my guest, Fiona McCann. Uh, you can find her on the internet. Mainly at WeCanPrintThis.com. Mainly at WeCanPrintThis.com. And you can invite her to your karaoke parties if you would like to be outdone. Mm. Um, If you need help with a Halloween costume, she is there in a pinch. Or if you um, want to talk about bread, she understands bread. Oh, that is so true. Thank you. You're welcome. I almost feel like I want to get a handshake from you now, Eden. We just just did a Paul Hollywood (laughs) handshake for people who don't know what that is. Then Google it and culture yourself. Culture yourself. Um, Yes, thank you so much for having me, Eden. It was a real pleasure coming on I'm so excited for your podcast I've listened to it all the time and I'm a really big fan oh my god (laughs) that's so lovely well um thank you to our producer Miranda Schaefer and to Dave Depper for our intro music this podcast was recorded at the writer's block in Portland and we definitely don't have a third office mate we never have met anyone else no it's just the two of us right just the two of us 
And if you were a writer with a great behind the story story that you think might even beat that one, good luck. Or just write to us at weekendprintthis at gmail.com and tune in next week for the tables to turn once more when I interview surprise guest. Who is it? I can't tell you. Okay, well, we'll have to see. Also, Rachel, we love you. Don't be mad. Bye.